in case you haven't missed the theme that has kind of gone through the prayers and the songs already, it is Holy Trinity Sunday. This is a Sunday I know that is confusing. People hear Trinity, they kind of tune out right away. So I want you to hold on just one moment. Because, yes, the Trinity is complicated and confusing. We don't really have anything in our world to help us understand it. And as soon as you use all sorts of images to explain the Trinity, like water being one thing but in three states, or an apple being one thing with three parts. Have you heard some of these before? A few of you are nodding, yeah. Uh, we, we, every time we try to use those earthly things to describe this Trinity of ours, we fall short. Though, just a quick side note, my personal favorite that I think does the least amount of heretical damage is saying God in heaven, God on earth, God in us, for Father, Son, Spirit. Although it still doesn't quite capture all of who God is. It's a little better than an apple, for example. So today, instead of trying to understand the Trinity as a concept, I want us to take this morning and think about what it means that we believe in a God that is fundamentally in relationship. God is parent, son, and spirit in relationship with God's self. And God, who lives in relationship, invites us into that relationship with God. This understanding, as complicated as it is, once we learn that God is in relationship, we start to understand that God acts primarily on behalf of relationship. This is kind of mind-blowing when we take time to think about it, but we don't spend a lot of time on the Trinity because it's complicated. When we do spend time digging into this, we realize God is calling us into something a lot bigger than we often think. Luther Seminary preaching professor Caroline Lewis said that relationship is a rather inconvenient truth about God, especially when God is simply a vehicle for your own power and the way of Jesus is justification for decisions only meant to keep your power. I'm here for this definition here. Being in a relationship with God and God's created world and all that is in it is very inconvenient these days. Because our world is increasingly more diverse and more complicated and more complex. It would be easier to just stay in our safe little bubble where everyone thinks like us and looks like us and believes like us. But when we reject this kind of relationship that God invites us into, relationship with God and the world God created, we reject God. When we reject each other, we reject the Trinity. Dr. Lewis continued, This is the kind of Trinitarian heresy that abounds now in our society. Jesus is the only way is an anti-Trinitarian statement. Any kind of speech or act that even hints at anti-Semitism or anti-Muslim is anti-Trinitarian. Any kind of belief that asserts a rapture theology with deliverance for true believers and the rest of us sorry souls left to wage battle on evil is anti-Trinitarian. A binary mindset with an insistence that some will be saved and others will not is anti-Trinitarian. So yes, she says, 
The Trinity does matter. It matters a lot. The Trinity matters because relationships matter. Relationships with God and with each other. So this Trinity Sunday, the lectionary text before us, is all about relationship. Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, a story we've heard before, comes to Jesus under the cover of night because just hearing secondhand about this Jesus guy is not enough anymore. He wants more. He wants to see this Jesus guy for himself. But he still cares about his reputation. I mean... He doesn't really want anyone to know he's going to see this Jesus guy. That would be a career-ruining move. He comes to Jesus and says, I know you're from God because you're doing all these things that show it. And Jesus responds by saying, you need to be born of the Spirit. Now this strange text we've often misunderstood to be about getting rebaptized or recommitting yourself to Jesus or declaring Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior is, in fact, not about that. It is about Jesus making a claim about being a part of the relationship with God. You have been born from above, Jesus says. The Romans text that Lynn read for us this morning makes this born-from-above language a little clear, reminding us of our adoption by the Spirit. The Spirit we receive on Pentecost at our baptism makes us a part of the family of God. We are heirs, Paul says. We are in relationship with God through the Spirit. This is how we join God's relationship. And Jesus says, you are born from the Spirit, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, wait, what now? Essentially, he says, I don't, I don't get it, Jesus. I don't get what you're saying to me. And Jesus, ever filled with compassion, says, aren't you a Pharisee? Aren't you a teacher of Israel? Shouldn't this be a thing you already know? Nicodemus comes to Jesus wondering what the good news really is. And Jesus tells him the good news is maybe not about rules and laws and who is in and who is out, but about being brought into the family of God by the action of the Spirit. In one of my favorite verses in this whole section of Scripture, Jesus reminds us the presence of the Spirit isn't super easy to control or predict. He says the Spirit is like the wind that blows where it chooses. You can hear the sound of it, but you don't really know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So who is in that category? Who is born of the Spirit? Just those who say the right thing? Those who believe the right doctrine? Maybe those who pray the right prayer at the right time. Last week was Pentecost, and in our reading we heard about the moment the Spirit arrived and landed on all who gathered. People from every nation, people from every religion, people who believed in God and people who didn't were all gathered around, and the Spirit came and everyone got to be a part of it. Everyone heard the good 
news. And it was a unifying force within the differences that still existed. Through the Spirit, God calls each of us into relationship with each other. We heard another reminder last week of the work of the Spirit on Pentecost, which is bringing us good news and then sending us out to share it. So we might ask ourselves, what is the good news exactly that we're supposed to share? And Jesus asks the incredulous question that he does of Nicodemus, aren't you a teacher of Israel? Because he wonders how the good news of who God is has been so missed in the religious leaders of the time. And then Jesus tells him exactly what the good news is. Now, Martin Luther once said, John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. He said, all you need to know about the entirety of all four gospels is contained into this one small verse. And listen, we have all probably learned this one, right? It was the first Bible verse I ever memorized. I had it up on my refrigerator at home. I put it there outside of my parents telling me to. I did it all by myself, which maybe should have been a hint where I was going to end up someday. That's another sermon for another day. We see John 3.16 held up at sporting events, and most of us know what it says even by seeing John 3.16, right? We don't use this verse as good news, though, do we? We kind of use it as a secret, a way to hold ourselves above others. We know a thing you don't know, so we're going to tell it to you. We use it as a weapon, as an if-then statement. You have to believe in order to receive something. This is not what Jesus says today at all. Jesus says, God so loved the world, the whole world, so valued our relationship with God and with, with each other, that God sent Jesus to save us all. The Greek word used so many times in this text is cosmos. It's defined as the world, but it literally means the world and everything contained in it. It is a big word. Jesus came and died and rose to create a new system. Not the system of rules and regulations, but a system based on love. For God loved so much. This verse is pure grace when we stop using it as a threat. Listen to it again. God loves the whole world and everything and everyone in it so much that God chose a way we couldn't mess up. He sent Jesus. And then we messed it up. Oh my gosh. We made it about belief instead of grace. Even though Jesus told us belief was about the Spirit and we can't cage in or understand the Spirit or know what it's doing in the world, we took pure love and made it a way to exclude and deny and oppress. We made John 3.16 a rule and not grace. Pastor Chad preached on this text a few months ago. He said we... We love making this a rule instead of grace. We like to turn grace into law. He said we'd much rather have the law, so we add the words have to whenever we talk about it. Do you remember this sermon? It said two words that tell you if it's law 
over grace is have to. You have to believe the right things in the right way in order to have eternal life. Have to. That's not grace. That is fear. That's a threat. So I had a thought this week as I was working on my sermon. What if that wasn't the verse Jesus wanted us to hear as the gospel? What if we've been holding up the wrong one at our football games? So I don't want to rewrite history or say anyone was wrong, but what if the good news that Jesus shared with Nicodemus in that dark night wasn't John 3.16, but instead was John 3.17? God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then I started to wonder, how would Christianity be different if this were our verse? How would I be different if this were my first verse I ever memorized? Then anything that felt like condemnation would automatically be put in a category of not God. Anything that felt like exclusion would be seen as anti-Christian. Maybe I would have spent more time thinking about how I could share this grace instead of taking notes about all the ways people are doing things the wrong way. Maybe a better way to think of this good news that John puts in front of us today is that we cannot be a John 3.16 church unless we're also a John 3.17 church. We need both verses to have good news. In a podcast I listen to sometimes um, called The Mental Illness Happy Hour, you can ask me about it later, (laughs) Uh, Paul Gilmartin is the host of that podcast, and he talked about a conversation he'd recently had about God. And he said the God he used to believe in was the one that made him feel really bad, that he had been taught that God was there to tell him he wasn't good enough and to keep track of all the ways he had messed up. Paul said his life changed when he stopped thinking about God as someone who was waiting for him to mess up so he could be punished. Paul began to think that maybe God just loved him, like really loved him, mistakes and all, warts and all, he said, just as he was. And then he said he got a little teary when he thought about God that way. And obviously, he's not alone, right? This is grace to think that God might love you just as you are. That God sent the Spirit to bring us into the family of God. And that's a thing that happened already, not contingent on believing the right thing. That's good news. Listen again, for God so loved the world that God sent a son. God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, through the actions he has already done. It has been quite a week around here at Prince of Peace. Uh, If you're on Facebook, you may have seen it. Uh, We 
happened to take a language from a lawn sign that I have in my yard, that many people in the area have in their yard, that is actually my front yard, and put it on our church sign out front. There. And boy, did we get a lot of angry phone calls about this sign. How dare we offer kindness and blessings to someone of a different faith? That is not what we are here to do. Let me tell you, the kind of week we've had here is one where we picked up the phone to someone yelling, and we had to repeat over and over again that we believe in a God who loves first. I am not very good at getting yelled at. (laughs) Chad, however, so good at getting yelled at. Not surprising to anyone, he handled those calls much better than I did. But the kind of belief that would make you think that this sign was wrong, was anti-Christian, that is not grace. That is not what we believe. If I thought Jesus came to make people feel bad, and be scared about eternal damnation, then I would not be able to do this job. Our reputations as Christians, not super great right now. (laughs) The loudest voices are sometimes the least Christ-like out there. And I think in this culture, we're often more like Nicodemus than we think. We too don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to be associated with that kind of Christian, the kind who might call up a random Lutheran church on a Tuesday and yell at them for having a blessed Ramadan to our Muslim neighbor sign out. I get it. I feel this way too sometimes. I hesitate to tell people what I do when they ask what I do. Pastor Chad has said he tells people he's in sales. I... (laughs) Which is hilarious. I have a pastor friend who says he tells people he manages a small nonprofit, which I think is the one I'm definitely going to start using. <laughs> but if the kind of Christianity we believed and acted out had more John 3:17 in it, maybe we wouldn't be so nervous about sharing it all the time. Because it's just love. John 3.17 doesn't feel judgmental or hateful or all things anti-Jesus. It just feels like love. So Tuesday was hard. But Wednesday was better. We started receiving a different kind of phone call and email on Wednesday. Uh, Here are a few. I'm far away from you in Florida, and I don't consider myself a Christian, but I want to thank you for your sign. I'm probably going to cry when I read these, you guys. You should just be prepared for this. <sighs> I'm, thank you for your sign, wishing Muslims a blessed Ramadan, and thank you for holding up an example of love. For real. Another said, I just read the article on NPR about the sign your church has, and I wanted to say thank you. I figured you had enough people calling and emailing to say they hated it, so I figured you needed at least one message in support. I wanted to speak out and say thank you for reaching out to the Muslim community. I'm a Bethel grad, and I studied in the Middle East. 
And I found living in a predominantly Muslim region to be one of the most enriching and amazing experiences I ever had. Sometimes I wish the Christian community would be as welcoming as they were welcoming to me. But it is heartening to see people reach across faith boundaries to support one another. Please don't give up on spreading this message of love. Support and support and support and more support. From not just Prince of Peace people, but from Christians around the metro and the whole United States, actually. It felt kind of amazing, like maybe love might win. And then I started getting another kind of comment. See, I think I appreciated each and every call or email or comment from a Christian denouncing the hateful calls and notes we'd gotten, but the moment I knew that we at Prince of Peace did good news right was when we started getting these from from the Muslim community. That's right. The Brooklyn Park Mosque thanks you for your support and blessings. You know, there's a reason this is in here, so maybe we should use it. The Brooklyn Park Mosque thanks you for your support and blessings. Together, we make this community stronger. I told you. Thank you for displaying this sign supporting our faith. Thank you for your solidarity to stand with us on Ramadan. God bless your church and your heart. As American Muslims, I thank you and thank everyone behind this sign. Remember, when someone hates you, it is not about you. Don't mind them. Continue to do the right thing. This is beautiful. Thank you so much. We appreciate the love and the kind words. We might have different religions, but we have the same soul. That was my favorite. Also, thank you so much. We appreciate your solidarity. Our differences are God's mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Our differences are God's mercy. We are stronger together. It shouldn't be so surprising to people to receive a message of love from Christians. It shouldn't. But somehow it is. That means... In my opinion, we've got a lot of work to do. This week, author Jen Hatmaker wrote that we are as lost from our own gospel as we have ever been while screaming at everyone else that we are the only ones who've been found. Preach it, sister. This is what we got here this week. Hate and Christianity should not go hand in hand. But somehow we have strayed so far from what Christ asked us to do and be in the world. We are people of the way. The way of grace. The way of justice. The way of love. This is the good news we've been called to today. We are loved by a God who is at his core about relationship with all of us cosmos, the world, and everything in it, who acts on behalf of cosmos, the world, and everyone in it. This 
is the good news we are called to share. It is not easy, it is not popular, which we definitely learned that this week, but it is the right thing. I said this on my, well, I got the first call, which I didn't know was the first of many calls. I just thought it was one random call. And so because I am slightly oppositionally defiant, my response was to go out to our sign and take a picture with it. <laughs> That's what normal people do. Um, and I took it and I doubled down on like, this is what we're about. And I'm willing to put this, be a mountain that I die on. I am willing to put my reputation on this kind of love. I am willing to stake my reputation on love. I'm not saying I have it all figured out. I'm not saying I got it 100% right. I'm saying that if I come face to face with God, I can say at least I loved. At least I did it for love. I want to err on the side of love. And I think that is what God did for me. That's the good news, is that God erred on the side of love for me. When I didn't deserve it, when I keep messing up, when I do things wrong, God always chooses love for me first. And that is what God does for you. So I think erring on the side of love is a pretty good first step in faith for us, Prince of Peace. Love, not hate, not Fear, not condemnation, but love is what saves the world. It is what already saved us, what keeps saving us, and it is what we are called to bring into the world. Now, I think that is the good news. So here, one last time. For God so loved the world... That God gave us Jesus. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the whole world and everyone in it might be saved through him. And to that we say, Amen.